Hello everybody and welcome to Charts with Dan. We had another big MCU weekend as Thor Love and Thunder topped the charts as we all knew that it would. We'll break down its performance as well as the future of the MCU in general and a look at some audience responses to Thor Love and Thunder. We're also going to look at the rest of the box office as well as the streaming services. All sorts of great things to look forward to. Before we do that though, I want to thank as always my partner here on the show, Carbon Health. I love having Carbon Health on board because we both believe in what the other one is doing. They love to invest in communities with a passionate fan base and I love their message of making healthcare as affordable and accessible to as many people as possible. If you download the Carbon Health app now, you can find a Carbon Health location near you. And even if there's not a physical location near you, you can also use it for telehealth. Carbon Health offers a lot of services, including the ability to be your primary care provider if you so choose. So be sure to check out the Carbon Health app for more information. And as always, I want to thank Carbon Health for being a partner here on Charts with Dan. So let's take a look at the weekend box office. Thor Love and Thunder was the number one movie as predicted with a $144.1 million debut. We're going to break down all of it, uh, so many different things, but let's look at the top 10 first before we do that. In second place was Minions, The Rise of Gru, taking a 56.9% drop in its second week. So it dropped a little bit more like a blockbuster, but it also had an opening weekend that was a lot more like a blockbuster, $46.1 million in its second weekend. Top Gun Maverick remains in in third place with a 40.1% drop in its seventh week with $15.5 million. More on that later. Elvis stays in the top 10 in its third week with the best hold of any movie in the top five, a 39.4% drop with an $11.1 million weekend. It's on its way to breaking the $100 million barrier at the domestic box office. Jurassic World Dominion spends a fifth week in the top five with a 47.5% drop off and an $8.5 million total. At number six was The Black Phone, just out of the top five in its third week, but still a really impressive performance and a good hold. 36.5% drop from last weekend with a $7.7 million total. Lightyear continues to collapse in its fourth week. It's all the way down to number seven already with another 52.2% drop and a $3 million total, just over $3 million. A24 continues a winning streak this year as Marcel the Shell with Shoes On makes its way to the top 10 in its third week. That's a 23% improvement over last week's performance with a $322,000 total. That's because it keeps expanding to more and more theaters. It's in just under 50 currently. Mr. Malcolm's List takes a big drop at number nine, a 68.5% decrease from last week with a $255,000 total. And rounding out the top 10 in its 10th week is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with a 40.5% drop from last weekend and a $245,000 total. So let's talk about Thor Love and Thunder and where it falls this year, where it falls in the MCU. This was the third highest opening weekend of 2022 domestically. You see there that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, still the highest three-day opening of the year with $187.4 million. Thor Love and Thunder just behind Jurassic World Dominion. I mean, less than a million dollars difference. Jurassic World Dominion debuting with just over $145 million. Thor Love and Thunder debuting with $144.1 million. That the Batman down to fourth place with $134 million. Top Gun Maverick down to fifth place with $126.7 million. And after just one week, 
as one of the five highest grossing debut weekends of 2022, Minions The Rise of Gru gets bumped out of the top five. There are a lot of superlatives when you're looking at Thor Love and Thunder. It was the fifth best debut for Chris Hemsworth after the four Avengers movies. It was the third best debut for Christian Bale after the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. Thor Love and Thunder had the 12th best debut for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was the seventh best for an MCU solo film. These movies are getting less and less solo as we go on. But Thor Love and Thunder was number one in one category that I wanted to single out, and that is Natalie Portman. This was the top opening film of Natalie Portman's career. Its $144.1 million opening bumped Star Wars Episode III Revenge of the Sith down to number two with a $108.4 million opening, although it should be noted that Revenge of the Sith opened on a Thursday. So if it had opened on Friday, it's very likely, even without having to adjust for inflation, that Revenge of the Sith could still be number one. But that one extra day allows Thor Love and Thunder to kind of sneak in there and be Portman's top opening movie in her career. Thor The Dark World is at number two with $85.7 million, followed by Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones, which also opened on a Thursday at just over $80 million back in 2002. And at number five, the original Thor at 65 $5.7 million. So a new opening weekend record for Natalie Portman. Not a big surprise. She doesn't do a whole lot of these big blockbuster movies. Avengers Endgame, by the way, is not in the mix there because she was she was in the movie but didn't necessarily shoot anything for the movie. That's why it's not included on a technicality. Let's see where Thor Love and Thunder falls when you look at the MCU as far as opening weekend box office gross. The Phase 4 movies are highlighted there in yellow, so Spider-Man No Way Home, the second biggest domestic opening for Marvel so far, at least in the MCU. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, you see there the seventh highest opening for the MCU, and then you see right there just behind Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and just ahead of Iron Man 2 is Thor Love and Thunder with its $144.1 million dollars there toward the end of the pack you see black widow shang chi and the legend of the ten rings and eternals all amongst the eight lowest openings in the mcu although of course you have to remember that there were still some closures and a marked box office slowdown from the covid 19 pandemic as those all came out last year one interesting thing, though, and, and and I've talked on the show so many times about how there's no perfect metric when judging a box office, whether you're adjusting for inflation, which is tough right now because inflation is so weird. Uh, I've been doing things like attendance, but there's something that's been messing with attendance figures lately, and that's the fact that we've talked about the average ticket price uh, for a movie, and that's actually been something that's used to measure adjusted by inflation and attendance in the past. The problem now is that theaters are charging different ticket prices for different movies, so there are movies like The Batman or Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that different theater chains will charge one or two dollars more for on opening weekend than the quote-unquote average ticket price. So looking even at the average ticket price for a year doesn't necessarily tell you how many people went because it's usually a lot lower than what the actual ticket price was for a movie. And sort of just to illustrate how that can work and how it's tough to make these comparisons, I was able to find what the average ticket price was for the more recent MCU films. And you can kind of see how they fall down these opening weekend charts when you look at it purely based on attendance. The difference being, I can't find that information for a lot of the older MCU films because it wasn't really disclosed. It wasn't in any of the media reports. So those are judged by the average ticket price for that year, even though it's likely that audiences were paying a higher average ticket price for these big blockbuster MCU films. So this is a partial adjustment. This is uh, the more recent MCU films you see 
see there in yellow are adjusted by the ticket price reported that people were paying the weekend that it came out. The blue ones are by average ticket price for that year. And you see, for example, if you adjust by those numbers, Spider-Man No Way Home had a much higher ticket price than the average for that year, about $354 higher. And you see it drops down from the second highest opening movie by dollars as far as the MCU goes to the eighth highest as far as attendance. Now, I should note that Avengers Endgame is slightly adjusted from some figures I was able to find, but the rest of these movies aren't. And it just goes to indicate, was Spider-Man No Way Home the eighth best as far as attendance in the MCU? Well, its popularity would say no. It's just that I can't find information for what the average ticket price was, for example, for Captain America Civil War or Iron Man 3. If these numbers are accurate, you'll see that attendance is actually lagging quite a bit for Phase 4 in the MCU. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness falls out of the top 10 completely. Thor Love and Thunder, you'll see there, is at about the two-thirds mark. It's uh, fewer attendees in its opening weekend than Guardians of the Galaxy, pretty much on par with Thor The Dark World, which is not considered to be one of the highlights of the MCU. And then you see when you adjust for the higher ticket prices, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Eternals would actually be the three lowest attended movies in the history of the MCU. The problem is, I don't know what they were charging for a ticket to see Ant-Man or Captain America the First Avenger or Thor. This is the trouble as we go over time with uh, reporting. It's great that we get more information, and now for these big movies, I can see in the reporting done on Deadline and in other places, they'll say the average ticket price for a ticket to see Thor Love and Thunder this weekend was blank. It was over $13 this weekend, for example, whereas the national average that's being reported is closer to $9.50 or $10, but I don't have this information for these older movies. So this is why I like to do the show, because you can do these little bite-sized things, but it doesn't tell the whole story. It's all about context, and the fact of the matter is we're never really going to know with absolute certainty exactly how these things compare. We can just use these things as guideposts along the way. One thing that we do know is the audience reaction. There is a lot of mixed talk online. I was very mixed about this movie, and we've talked about CinemaScore on the show before. We talked about it with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Thor Love and Thunder actually got an identical cinema score to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with a B plus. And this is what's uh, perhaps something that Marvel should definitely look at because you don't really have to parse this. Prior to 2021, the MCU only had one movie that had gotten below an A minus cinema score, which would be the first Thor film. Now, out of their last six releases, three of them have been amongst the lowest rated from audiences, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder, which both received a B+, and Eternals, which received a B. Now, it should also be noted that Spider-Man No Way Home got an A+, so it's, it's not like every single MCU film now is disappointing audiences, but I think this is a trend that you have to look at if you're a Disney and if you're a Marvel. CinemaScore has been around for a very long time, and it's not the final word in audience response, but it is one of the first words in audience response. And what this is telling you is that on multiple occasions now, in this fourth phase of the MCU, opening night audiences are coming out of the theater lower on the films than they've almost ever been before. 
I mean, the fact that Thor was the only Marvel film, or, or film at least in the MCU, to get below an A- minus was a huge accomplishment for the MCU. So I think this is something that should be put on Kevin Feige's desk. Why are audiences responding the way that they are? Is it that they're getting used to the MCU? Is it that there's something creatively that audiences don't like about these films? Is it a combination of all of those things? This was a good opening weekend for Thor Love and Thunder. It wasn't something that's going to rewrite the record books, but not all of them can be. It was the highest opening film in the Thor franchise, although if you adjust for inflation, we would perhaps see that it was a little bit closer than it looks. But this is something that Kevin Feige and Marvel have to take into consideration. The fact that audience enthusiasm does seem to be waning for films in the MCU. I love obscure box office facts, and this is one that I saw floating around this weekend. This weekend and last weekend were one of only two times that we have had films debut at over $100 million in consecutive weekends at the domestic box office. Back on the weekend of June 15th, 2018, Incredibles 2 debuted to $182.6 million. The next weekend, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom debuted to $148 million. And then these last two weekends, Minions The Rise of Gru debuting to $107 million. Last weekend, Thor Love and Thunder debuting to $144.1 million this weekend. But you know me, I'm not just going to let a sleeping fact lie. So I did a little bit more research and I found that this is only the eighth time that the number one movie at the box office has made $100 million or more in consecutive weekends. The first time it happened was the weekends of May 5th and May 11th, 2012, when the Avengers made over $100 million two weeks in a row. Then we go to 2015, the weekends of June 12th and June 19th, when Jurassic World made over $100 million two weekends in a row. Then December 18th and 25th, of 2015. Star Wars The Force Awakens was able to do it. The weekends of February 16th and 23rd, 2018, Black Panther was able to do it. The weekends of April 27th and May 4th, 2018, so just a few months later, Avengers Infinity War was able to achieve $100 plus million in consecutive weekends. Then we have June 15th and 22nd, 2018, with Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So this is a feat that happened three times back in 2018. The weekends of April 26th and May 3rd, 2019, Avengers Endgame was able to top $100 million in two consecutive weekends. And then this past weekend with Minions, The Rise of Gru, and Thor Love and Thunder. So even though we have more films that have been able to make $100 million consecutively, it's still a pretty rare occurrence, just eight times in about the last 10 years. And given the fact that we are still very much recovering box office-wise uh, from the pandemic, which is still going on, I often even say post-pandemic, but there still are pandemic concerns, I think that this is a great sign. We have Thor Love and Thunder and Minions The Rise of Gru debuting so well uh, in consecutive weekends, and then we have the continued box office success of Top Gun Maverick, and I don't want to ignore that. When we look at seventh wide weekends top gun maverick in its seventh weekend in wide release ranking number three behind avatar and titanic now the gap between top gun maverick and titanic bigger than it has been in previous weeks in its seventh week in wide release avatar made 31.2 million dollars titanic made 25.9 million dollars then you dip down about 10 million to top gun maverick's 15.5 it just edges out the passion of the christ in its seventh wide release weekend it made 15.2 million and then frozen at 14.7 million dollars this is a little bit different than the record books look because it's not just seventh weekend in a release this chart isn't at least because sometimes movies open limited release so it throws everything off this is seventh weekend in wide release but top gun maverick still hanging in there and when we look at the domestic box office all time 
Maverick is still where it was last week. It's at number 12, but it is very close to eclipsing that $600 million mark and should move past Incredibles 2 to become number 11 on the all-time list by this time next week. After that, it'll have the top 10 in its sights. It only needs about $23 million more dollars at the domestic box office to bypass Star Wars The Last Jedi and become the 10th highest grossing movie of all time domestically. Let's look at the all-time list when you adjust for inflation. As I said, this is not a perfect metric, but it's one guidepost that we can look at to see what Maverick's place in history may be. It has bypassed the 1956 Best Picture winner around the world in 80 days and Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest to become the 53rd highest grossing movie of all time at the domestic box office. It's just behind the Cinemascope Technicolor Spectacle The Robe at number 52 and American Graffiti at number 51 with over $600 million. I think a lot of people assume that George Lucas broke into the film scene with Star Wars. No, he had a massively successful film prior to Star Wars with American Graffiti. That's one of the reasons he was able to make Star Wars. Overall, this means that The weekend looked fantastic. When we look at it based on the average box office for the previous five years, 2015 to 2019, we are well above average at almost $250 million in total box office from where we have been the five years prior to the pandemic. So you see now the summer, the summer box office, we've now one, two, three, four times, really five when you count last week, we have gone over the average. So we're not just performing well for a pandemic recovery, we're performing well for any summer thus far at the box office. Now the beginning of the year lagged behind because things were still ramping up, but we are in a very good recovery mode. I think we're probably only a couple of weeks from surpassing the box office total of all movies from last year. So this is a great road to recovery. That's why I call this graphic road to recovery. We're doing very well at starting to beat these averages. We're gonna see a dip though, because Thor Love and Thunder was the biggest movie we're gonna have for a while. We still have a few movies coming out this summer, but this was the last really huge probably hundred plus million dollar opener we're going to see till honestly probably the next mcu film but we're going to keep track of that average to see if we can stay above where we have been traditionally for this portion of the summer box office when we look at the market share for 2022 these are all movie tickets sold year to date as you can see the box office for 2022 has now surpassed four billion dollars Paramount loses 1% market share, but still has controlled 25% of the domestic box office this year. Universal is in second place with 23%. It picks up 1% market share. Disney Fox picks up 2% market share due to the strong performance of Thor 11 Thunder. It has now got 19% of the total box office for the year. Warner Brothers loses 1% market share. It's down to 13%. Sony is down to 12%. And the all other slice, that would be all the other studios other than the big five remain at 8% of total tickets sold for the year to date. One reason that Thor 11 Thunder did so well, it dominated showtimes at, I'm sure, markets around the country. This is how my local market looked for Saturday, July 9th, so peak movie-going time for a lot of people. These statistics involve six theaters and 72 screens, and there were 303 total showtimes for my market on Saturday, so individual times that you could see a movie. And Thor, with 36%, over one-third of all available showtimes, 108 of them, dominating the competition this weekend. In second place was Minions The Rise of Gru, taking up 21% of available shows. Maverick in third place, though, 10% of all available showtimes still going to that movie, which has been in theaters for almost two months. Elvis just behind at 9%. The Black Phone pretty much tied there with 9%. Jurassic World Dominion at 8%. 
All other movies had 4% of the available showtimes, and Lightyear, uh, they're just getting that movie out of theaters as quickly as they can here. Only 3% of all total showtimes, 10 showtimes in total, were given to Lightyear, which means across those six theaters and 72 screens, there were only 10 times on Saturday in any theater in my local market that you could go see Lightyear. So no hope of any kind of box office rally for Lightyear. It really is one of the most, I would say, disappointing box office performances of the year, and I'm sure the folks at Disney would not disagree. Before we move on, I would like to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Upside. Upside is an app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or eats out, and let's face it, that's pretty much everybody. With every purchase I make using Upside, I get cash back. And I know it sounds like one of those too good to be true things, but I never plug anything here on the show that I'm not willing to use myself. There's a gas station just a couple miles down the road from where I live that consistently offers 10 cents or more off per gallon if I use Upside. And I'm saving over a dollar every time I fill up there, which adds up over time. To get started, you just download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play and use my promo code DanMerle and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. To do that, you can pick a business offering the upside discount, claim that offer on the app, and then check in when you get there. You pay as usual with a credit or debit card and then collect your cash back, which you can cash out anytime to your bank account, to PayPal, or to an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Download the free Upside app and use promo code DanMerle, that's my name, all one word, to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code DanMerle, D-A-N-M-U-R-R-E-L-L, and I'd like to thank Upside for sponsoring today's show. Let's look at the per theater averages for this past weekend. Thor Love and Thunder at number one, bringing in almost $33,000 per theater in each of its 4,375 theaters. Minions, The Rise of Gru at number two with $10,000 per theater in each of its 4,400 theaters. So it's actually playing in a few theaters more than Thor Love and Thunder. That's a bit of a surprise. At number three is one of my favorite movies of the year. It would have been on my list of the top 10 of 2022 if it had come out when I made that list just a couple weeks ago. That is a documentary called Fire of Love. I was lucky enough to be able to see it virtually at the Sundance Film Festival this year. And it's like if Wes Anderson made a documentary. It's from documentarian Sarah Dosa. It is some of the most stunning uh, footage that I have seen of volcanoes and just the planet and the way that nature works. Neon is distributing it right now. It's on a very small number of screens. Hopefully it's going to go wider and wider nationally. If it's on a big screen near you, go and see it. I can't wait to see it on the big screen. It's very likely that this movie is going to be on my top 10 list come the end of the year. I really enjoyed it. It is it is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. So if you can see Fire of Love in a theater near you, go see it. You're not going to regret it. At number four is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On in 48 theaters with a $6,700 average per theater. And at number five, playing in just one theater is Marina with just over $6,000 in that one theater. Marina won the prize at the Cannes Film Festival in 2021 for Best First Feature Film. It's from director Antonetta Alamat Kusianovich. So check out Marina if you're near that one theater uh, that's playing it. 
When we look at the top per theater averages for 2022 as a whole, Thor Love and Thunder comes in at number five with its $32,952 total in 4,300 plus theaters. That comes in just behind the worst person in the world, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and 4th of July, which set the 2022 per theater average mark last weekend. When we look at the limited release box office, so these were movies that were in 1,000 theaters or fewer. At number one is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, in 48 theaters with $322,000. At number two in its fourth week is Official Competition, which is playing in 166 theaters at just shy of $100,000. The Forgiven in its second week and in 139 theaters comes in third place with $67,000. Then the documentary Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song is in fourth place in 15 theaters with $39,000. And in fifth place, returning to the chart is The Phantom of the Open in its sixth week in just over 34 theaters with $31,660. The limited release top 10 has literally not changed from last week, so I won't go over everything. Uh, all 10 movies staying in the same place. We'll see if there are some movies uh, like Fire of Love or I would imagine Marcel the Shell with Shoes On will be moving up this list uh, very soon. But right now, no change in the 10 highest grossing films in limited release for the year so far. The summer box office list, though, has had some changes. We see Top Gun Maverick is the number one movie of the summer. At this point, I would be astonished if there was another movie that takes that number one spot away. Almost at the $600 million mark, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness remains at number two, followed by Jurassic World Dominion, which has crossed the $350 million mark. Minions The Rise of Gru stays at number four, but has crossed the $200 million mark. Then we see Thor Love and Thunder debuting on this list at number five. That drops Lightyear down one spot to number six. Elvis down one spot to number seven. The Black Phone down one spot to number eight. Downton Abbey A New Era down one spot to number nine. The Bob's Burgers movie down one spot to number 10. And 2022's Firestarter off of the list altogether. So sorry if you had Firestarter as one of the 10 highest domestic grocers of the summer. It is sadly not to be. When we look at my predictions, I feel like I got the easy part right. Those top six, at least, those are kind of gimmies. We all knew that those movies were, barring some catastrophe, going to be in the top 10 for the summer. Although Lightyear, you never know. Strange things could happen if some of these other movies catch on. Elvis was a bit of a risk. I predicted it to be the number 10 movie of the summer. It looks like it's likely to stay in that top 10. We don't really know. But this is where championships are won or lost. My other three picks, DC League of Super Pets, Nope, and Bullet Train, all of them are opening in the coming weeks. If I can nail it and get those three in the top 10, it'll, it'll be the first time I've ever predicted the top 10 correctly, which means that that is not going to happen. Uh, but you can see right now I'm sitting pretty well. Uh, seven out of the top 10 picked correctly with Elvis looking to stay. It really is going to come down to those last three. And is Dwayne The Rock Johnson going to screw me once again when it comes to the summer box office? He has many times before, and he may yet do it again with DC League of Super Pets. Let's move out of the domestic marketplace and look at the international market. So these are all markets outside of the U.S. and Canada. Thor Love and Thunder was the number one international movie this weekend with $159 million, followed by Minions The Rise of Gru, which pocketed another $56.3 million. Then the Chinese film Lighting Up the Stars at number three with $27.6 million. Top Gun Maverick at number four with $23 million. And then Detective vs. Sleuths, another film out of China, in the number five spot with $22.5 million. 
If we take the domestic marketplace, we mash it together with the international marketplace, we get the top five grocers worldwide. And when we look at the worldwide list, Thor 11 Thunder debuting to over $300 million across all markets. Minions the Rise of Gru making over $100 million itself across all markets worldwide. Followed by Top Gun Maverick at $38.5 million. Lighting up the stars at number four with $27.6 million. And then Jurassic World Dominion with another $24.1 million worldwide. Thor 11 Thunder's worldwide debut was one of the five biggest worldwide weekends for this year. I say worldwide weekends and not worldwide openings because there are some movies like Jurassic World Dominion that actually opened previous to their appearance on this list. Number one is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which had a $450 million plus opening weekend worldwide. Then Jurassic World Dominion, it was actually its second weekend release, but it was the same week that it opened here in the United States and elsewhere with $321.6 million the week of June 10th through the 12th. Then we have Thor Love and Thunder with its $303.1 million debut. The Batman drops to number four with $254 million. And then Top Gun Maverick on May 27th through the 29th with a $250.7 million dollar worldwide growth. So Thor having one of the top debuts domestically, one of the top debuts worldwide. When we look at the domestic box office for 2022, the top four remain the same. Top Gun Maverick at number one, followed by Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, The Batman, and Jurassic World Dominion. Minions The Rise of Gru moves up two spots from last week into the top five with $210.6 million total. That drops Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Uncharted both down one spot to number six and seven. Thor 11 Thunder debuts at number eight on the 2022 domestic charts, dropping Lightyear down one spot to number nine, and The Lost City down one spot to number 10. That drops the bad guys, which has had a really admirable box office run out of the top 10 domestically for the year. But if you'll also look there, all 10 movies in the 2022 domestic top 10 as of this week have grossed over $100 million in comparison. At this time last year, only three movies in the 2022 domestic top 10 had grossed over $100 million with Black Widow soon to follow. So just another sign of the improvement that we're seeing over the box office performance last year here in 2022. The worldwide box office for the year has Top Gun Maverick at number one, approaching $1.2 billion. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with $953.4 million at number two. Jurassic World Dominion trying to crack that $900 million mark at number three. Followed by The Batman at number four. The Battle at Lake Chungjin 2 at number five. Minions The Rise of Gru on the list at number six with just over $400 million. Followed by Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted which all dropped down one spot. And then we have Thor Love and Thunder debuting at number 10 with just over $300 million. That knocks out the bad guys and Too Cool to Kill, which always had a very inconsistently reported gross anyway. So even if Thor Love and Thunder had not yet passed it at the box office, it is going to in the coming days. So I just went ahead and put Thor Love and Thunder there at number 10. When we look at the worldwide box office for the previous 365 days, which is basically you take today's date, you roll it back one calendar year. These are the top 10 movies. Spider-Man No Way Home, after 207 days on the chart, remains number one with $1.9 billion. Top Gun Maverick at number two with $1.1 billion after 36 days on the chart. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number three. The Battle at Lake Chongjin, the first movie, $911.6 million after 285 days on the chart. Jurassic World Dominion is now at number five after 22 days. No Time to Die is at number six. The Batman is at number seven. The Battle at Lake Chongjin 2 at number eight. 
Venom Let There Be Carnage at number nine. And then on the bubble and probably gone next week is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's the old man on the chart here. 308 days, less than two months away from making it the full 365. But I believe that Minions is going to knock it off. Who knows? Perhaps Thor. Uh, pro maybe not by next weekend, but eventually we'll knock it off the chart. So Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings enjoying its last weekend on the previous 365-day chart. Before we look at what people are watching through the various streaming services, I always like to do a box office flashback to a weekend from years past, and we're going to go back 10 years to a different time for Marvel, and certainly a different time for one of Marvel's most prestigious heroes. This is the weekend of July 6th through the 8th, 2012, the 27th weekend of the year, and the number one movie at the box office was The Amazing Spider-Man, with a $62 million gross, although The Amazing Spider-Man has a very unique box office story, because to take advantage of the July 4th holiday, it opened on a Monday, and there are very few movies that open on Mondays ever. I mean, it, it's incredibly rare. Sony just wanted to get that movie out, so Andrew Garfield's first Spider-Man adventure was number one at the box office in its first weekend, but it had already been out for almost a week. Its $62 million gross that weekend was less than half, I believe, of what it had already grossed by the end of the weekend. So an impressive showing for The Amazing Spider-Man, but think about how much Spider-Man went through in 10 years from 2002 to 2012, which is basically the Tobey Maguire movies and then the first Andrew Garfield movie, and then the last 10 years, where we've had two Andrew Garfield movies, and then the whole shakeup, and the getting Spider-Man from Sony to Disney, and then introducing with Tom Holland into the MCU, and now bringing in Toby and Andrew Garfield into the different franchise. Things have escalated quickly for Spider-Man in these last 10 years. In second place on this weekend in box office history was Ted in its second week with a 40.8% drop and a $32.2 million take. Brave in its third week was in third place with $19.6 million, followed by the debut of Oliver Stone's film Savages with $16 million, and the second week of Magic Mike taking a 60% drop with $15.6 million. I think a lot of people didn't quite know what to make of that movie. I certainly didn't know what to make of the sequel. They're both very interesting movies. Before we move forward, I want to thank the other sponsor for today's show, ExpressVPN. We talk about Netflix on charts a lot, but did you know that there are thousands of movies and shows that you don't get to see based on your location? Plus, they keep raising the subscription price. The subscription price for Netflix just went up yet again. With ExpressVPN, in addition to having a more secure online presence, you can start getting your money's worth out of your streaming service subscription. Using ExpressVPN, I can control which country I want Netflix to think I'm in. If the U.S. version of Netflix is missing something, I can just switch over to another country to potentially unlock new shows. And here's the best part. It's not just for Netflix. You can use ExpressVPN to unlock shows on other streaming services like the BBC iPlayer, which has some fantastic Great British Baking shows or Great British Bake Offs that I've never been able to watch. ExpressVPN is also super fast and works on your phone, laptop, even your smart TV, so you can watch your show on the big screen with zero buffering. So stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com Merle, and don't forget to use my link so you can get three extra months of ExpressVPN free. That's expressvpn.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L, expressvpn.com slash Merle, and I want to thank ExpressVPN for sponsoring today's show. Before I go, as always, I like to see what people are watching at home through various streaming services, and we will start with the iTunes chart from Apple. At number one on the iTunes chart is Everything Everywhere All at Once, now available for both purchase and rental, the most requested movie on the iTunes store, followed by The Northman 
also available for purchase and rental. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent drops to number three. The Gerard Butler film, Last Seen Alive, debuts at number four. The Liam Neeson movie, Memory, debuts at number five. The Lost City is at number six, followed by Spider-Man No Way Home, Uncharted, and Morbius. And then at number 10, a movie that we've seen on and off the charts for the last several weeks, Dog, back on the chart in that final spot. Let's see what the most popular shows were on Netflix. And as far as hours watched, there was a clear winner because this is for the week of June 27th through July 3rd, which constitutes the first weekend of the second volume of Stranger Things. And this is a very interesting case because you see technically the program with the highest PFV, which is potential finished views, was the Netflix movie The Man from Toronto, 62.6 hours watched and a PFV of 33.5. You see there Stranger Things, 301.2 million hours watched, but a PFV of 20. 3.2. Well, how could Stranger Things PFV have been so low? It's because Netflix does not report Stranger Things based off of Volume 1 and Volume 2. It just reports the watch time for Stranger Things 4 all together as a season. So I have to divide the hours watched by the total runtime of the season. The total runtime of Stranger Things 4 was over 12 hours, which means that the PFE is going to be a little bit lower. Now, this is all going to even out over time, but there is a short-term bump down on the PFE for Stranger Things. You see there at the bottom, the PFV for new episodes only would have been 78.9, which is a potential number of 78.9 million Netflix users that finish just the final two episodes episodes of Stranger Things. The real PFV number is probably somewhere between 23.2 and 78.9 because there was some overlap between these episodes. But yes, the numbers on Stranger Things 4 are going to look a little bit low for the next week or two. That's just because they take a temporary bump down as all of those watch minutes are divided by the total runtime of the season which, as I mentioned, is over 12 hours. At number three is Man vs. B Season 1, a low hours watch number, but that's because the episodes are short. It had a PFV of 14.1, followed by Sing 2, a rare non-Netflix entry in the top five, with a PFV of 13.2. The Umbrella Academy Season 3 is at number five with a PFV of 10.9, followed by the Netflix movie Love and Gelato at number six, Hustle at number seven. New on the list, Money Heist Korea Season 1, with 49 million hours watched and a PFV of seven. Homefront at number 9 with a PFV of 6.6, .6, and Glamour Girls rounding up the top 10 with a PFV of 6.2. When we look at the 10 most watched programs on Netflix in 2022 by PFV, potential finished views, we see that The Adam Project remains number 1 with a PFV of 147.2. Stranger Things 4, despite that PFV number dropping a little bit, remains at number 2 with a PFV of 97.3. Hustle moves up one spot with a PFV of 92.7, followed by Bridgerton Season 2, which drops down one spot, and The Tender Swindler, which also drops down one spot. Senior Year drops out of the top five to number six with a PFV of 89.1, followed by Ozark Season 4, 365 Days, This Day, and Inventing Anna at number seven through nine. And then The Man from Toronto debuting on the overall most-watched 2022 Netflix programs with a PFV of 62.3, that drops off through my window, the Netflix original movie. And then when we look at the most watched Netflix programs since they began reporting these metrics back on June 28th of last year, you see there that Stranger Things does drop down one spot because that PFV number takes a bit of a hit. I anticipate that it will be back up to number six and then perhaps keep
keep climbing in the next week or two. Squid Game remaining an easy number one with a PFE of 279.2, although you will see that Squid Game Season 1 and Stranger Things 4, now the only two Netflix series with a reported hours watch number of over 1 billion hours. 1.2 billion for Stranger Things 4, 2.2 billion for Squid Game Season 1. Red Notice is still at number two, followed by Don't Look Up, The Adam Project, and The Unforgivable. Money Heist Part 5 is at number six, followed by Stranger Things 4. Hustle debuts on the list at number eight, followed by Bridgerton Season 2, and The Tender Swindler and Senior Year drops off of this list. Let's look at movies watched through another agency, and this is Nielsen, who has begun reporting streaming ratings for many streaming services, including recently HBO Max. The trade-off being there is a delay on these numbers, so this is for the week of June 6th through June 12th. We're basically going backwards a month. This was the week that Hustle debuted on Netflix. These are U.S. numbers, so these are the top 10 most watched streaming movies in the U.S., for June 6th through June 12th, as reported by Nielsen. Hustle with 20.3 million hours watched, an easy win over number two, which is Interceptor, also on Netflix with 6.8 million. Encanto, which is just a fixture on this list, with another 5.8 million hours watched, followed by The Amazing Spider-Man and Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which falls from number one to number five with 4.5 million hours watched. Top Gun at number six, available exclusively on Amazon in this window, followed by Turning Red, another fixture on Disney+, Plus with 3.3 million hours watched, and then three new movies on the top 10, Titanic at number eight, 10,000 BC at number nine, and Mission Impossible at number six, all three of those movies making their debut on Netflix. And finally, let's look at the 10 most watched streaming shows for the week of June 6th through June 12th. And again, you see the domination for Stranger Things. Now, this is across all seasons of that show. So this isn't just Stranger Things 4. This is seasons one through four of Stranger Things with 70.4 million hours watched. All American on Netflix at number two with 19.1 million hours, followed by The Boys on Amazon with 15.3 million hours. NCIS on Netflix with 14.1 million hours. Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey debuting on Netflix with 12 million hours. That's followed by The Lincoln Lawyer. Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus as it was continuing its run with 11.3 million hours. Coco Melon at number eight peaky blinders making a debut of a new season at number nine with 10.5 million hours and criminal minds at number 10 with 10.4 million hours and that wraps it up for charts this week a lot of stuff that we've gone over with thor love and thunder we go into a little bit of a lull of the box office this upcoming weekend before the debut of jordan peele's nope at the box office next weekend this weekend though there are several options there's mrs harris goes to paris which is sure to uh, become the third consecutive movie to gross 100 plus million dollars at the box office setting an all-time record pause of fury the legend of hank a new animated film jumping into the marketplace to compete with minions the rise of Gru, where the crawdads sing a anticipated by many adaptation of the best-selling book also going into wide release this weekend in limited release in some markets is the russo brothers new film the gray man starring chris evans and ryan gosling it'll make its debut on netflix next week but it's debuting in some movie theaters this upcoming weekend and then exclusively on netflix is a new adaptation of jane austen's persuasion starring dakota johnson and henry golding there are also many other streaming options on various different streaming services check your local listings and that does it for me here on Charts with Dan. Thank you so much for watching. If you want to see what else I'm doing, you can check me out on Patreon 
at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. I'll be back later this week with my thoughts on a bunch more stuff. We have the finale of Miss Marvel, which debuts on Disney Plus this week. I'm trying to get my, it's seriously, it's a one hour long video essay review of Picard season two ready for this week. I might be able to get it out this week. We'll see. It's still very much in post-production. I it, It's a runaway train. I don't know what to say about it at this point. I'm also working on things like an update to my Blu-ray collection video, which has been one of the most popular videos on this channel. It's been a couple years since I showed off my movie collection, so I'm going to show you the updates that I've gotten. I'm also working on a number of other things in addition to reviews of things that are coming out on Netflix and in theaters. Lots to talk about. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you to Carbon Health, my partner here on the show, and thank you to my sponsors, ExpressVPN and Upside. You can find out information about all of those great people down in the description below. I'll be back soon. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.